Welcome. You're listening to Recover Like a Mother, the podcast dedicated to mothers in recovery. I'm your host, Lane Kennedy. This episode is being brought to you by You Are Not Alone, a membership created and dedicated to support your recovery. Daily habits become lifetime practices. Change one thing, your life changes. You can learn more over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash membership. Right now, you can lock in a membership for as low as $9 a month. Grab the membership, lock in the price before the price goes up. You'll thank me later. Recoverlikeamother.com forward slash membership. Now, let's get into the show. Hello, my beautiful friend. How are you today? It's another day where I get to spend an hour or less than an hour in recovery talking about being a mother, recovering like a mother and what that means. And today I have the honor and privilege of speaking with Shana Vanderkoy of the Helpful Hat Helpful Hat Project. If you are, you know, interested in learning more about her, I want to just point you in the direction of her Instagram over at Helpful Hats. Lots of good things are happening over there. But really why we're having this conversation is to get into her story of recovery and what it really means to be a mother in recovery. Shana, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lane. It's an honor to be here. I look up to you in so many ways. So thank you for having me. Oh, you have no idea. This this is such a mother's are uh my heroes like sober moms sober moms i mean all moms but sober moms are my heroes and every night before i go to bed and the the babies every night because without the sober moms this world is not doing great a scary place no i agree I, i cannot i cannot imagine being a mother not sober. I, yes. I, started, I said the other day um, to my wife, I, I was like, you know, we saved this baby's life probably five times a day. If I was like drinking the way that I was, I mean, there's no, you know, he's eating stuff. He's choking on things. He's like, I would not have been present enough to keep this child alive. I don't think as, you know, as a not sober mom. So thank God for that. Yes. So we're going to jump in because I, I love to get right to the, to the meat of it, right to the thick of it. Our listeners want to hear your story of motherhood. And there was probably a pivotal point mm-hmm. of you, like at the end, I don't want to go to the end, right? Sure. Because we, we all know the end. We want to get into motherhood. Like what keeps you sober today? Like what keeps you on the recovery path? You have two little ones, right? Two little ones, uh, five and one. So yes, and they are busy. And again, like I said, there's no way that I could keep up with them and be the mother that I would want to be if I was not sober. So um, what keeps me sober is, is them and their, we adopted both of them. And one came from, he was very drug exposed and I don't want to ever be that mother, you know, we saved him and God bless his mother's beautiful heart for recognizing that she needed to put him into a healthier situation, but I don't want to be that mom. I, we rescued him from that. And I want to just keep them in a healthy situation and looking at their faces every day and, and realizing that um, we can provide that for them. 
keeps me, keeps me sober, keeps me sane, keeps me going because they're everything to me. And uh, we work and look for them so long and hard and uh, we have them and I don't want to mess that up ever. That's so incredible. So you adopted both of them. Adopted both babies. Yes. And your first one is five. My first one is five. Yep. Brixton. Yeah. And so let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute because adoption and sobriety is a whole thing, mm-hmm. right? That that's yep. its whole thing. And you're about almost five years mm-hmm. sober, right? So yep. you've been on this path and I'm, I'm doing the math and I'm thinking, well, <laughs> how I'm like, how is that possible that you got a baby when you were drinking and you like, I don't yes. even know that like the, the mindset around that let's, let's get into that for a minute. So that was a huge part of my, my spiral and my story, because <clears throat> so my story is, you know, kind of, I, I partied a lot. I was a party starter. I was an athlete in college. I opened the bars and I closed them, but I somehow, you know, got through, <laughs> thank God for being a student athlete, because I don't know what would have happened to me. I was clearly partying harder than most people, but I was a good time. So like, you know, it didn't really seem that out of the normal. I went to school in New York city and I was there when September 11th happened. And that had a profound impact on my life, not realizing at the time, but that again was just another kind of situation when I was in college, come to find out that was greatly affecting me. (laughs) And I had a little PTSD. So anyway, I packed that away and moved on and went on to coach. And then I moved out to California in search of the ocean and I had nothing. And I, that was fine with me. I was like, I was gonna, I sold my car and I was going to come out here and I was going to live the lifestyle. I didn't care if I just had, you know, a little tent on the beach, I was going to just do that. And I did that and it was amazing. And I ended up kind of falling into this crazy crowd in Newport beach. They ran, you know, actions, action sports is very prevalent there. You know, Hurley, Volcom, all that stuff. I met an owner of an action sports industry brand in a bar with, with Dennis Rodman, ironically. And that kind of kicked off my California living style. And, um, I partied so hard again, we were having fun and it wasn't really affecting my life. I, I ended up taking a job at this brand and through that, I was exposed to all kinds of things that were fun at the time I was 25 and I was not the rock star, but I got to party like one and everything was extremely accessible and we were traveling and we were doing all these things. And anyway, that, that kind of began a different type of spiral because work and drinking went hand in hand and it kind of really, it really took off there. So Coming into, I met my wife during that time and, and we wanted, we wanted a family. I was ready to, you know, wait a minute, down. wait a minute. How old were you when you met your wife? I was, gosh, I was probably 20, 27. She's younger. <laughs> I love, I love when people just know what they want. They're like, I want a family and I'm doing it. And I am only 25 years old or I, well, you know, like that was her, me. Wow. I was like, I mean, I was doing my thing. I was out yeah. there. I was like all around. And I, yeah, that was not me. I was, I was older. I, I, well, I guess she was, yeah, I don't know. I'm not doing the math correctly, but I guess I was like, I was all over the place. I was probably 27. <laughs> she was younger. Anyway, so that started our relationship. So we met kind of in that party zone. She was a normie though. She, she partied like a regular person. Yeah. So we met there. We kind of, we had some time. Cause again, I was kind of living this crazy lifestyle. She was my one though. I knew I would we would come back and we partied together and we had fun. But again, she was normal. You know, I, I, I drank a bottle of Jameson before we'd go to the restaurant and I would order shots at the 
bar and she would have a glass of wine and want to go home and I would want to go on to the next bar and, you know, let's keep this fire lit. So anyway, we decided we knew we wanted to have babies. We didn't know how or when that was going to happen. Which we started with me for first because I was older and I wanted to carry so badly. And um, we knew we were going to adopt also, but we didn't know at what point that was going to happen. So we started with me and I just assumed that it would be extremely easy for me. I knew I always wanted to be a mom. I knew that was my path in life. Mm -hmm. I always said, like, I feel like that was my purpose. I, I wasn't put on this earth to, to do anything else and be a mother. So for me, getting pregnant and caring was just going to be part of my easy peasy story and it did not happen. And we tried, I want to say eight times with me. And every time that it didn't take, I just went further down this crazy spiral. So we tried IUI a few times. And so during this time, my drinking's it's pretty escalated. Wait a minute. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So you're going through treatment to yes. get the baby, right? Yeah. But you're drinking. Yeah. I'm drinking. Oh totally. yeah. Okay. And I'm on, and I'm on an antidepressant, right? Yeah. So <laughs> you're just in it deep. Oh, I love yeah. this. Okay. Keep yeah. going. So I'm drinking. I just can't figure out why, you know, yeah. like this is taking and, and in my mind too, I thought one, it was going to be easy, but two, I could will my, I could will a baby into this world. So like, I'm going to stop drinking. I can do all this stuff. I can, I can do this, you know, like, right. Cause that's what we tell ourselves. <laughs> it's, it's my fault. It's me. I, if I stop drinking and I do the right things, this baby's going to come for sure. And so, yep. And every time it didn't take I drank more and was more devastated. And we, and it started, started to kind of come to the point that I'm like, okay, this isn't maybe going to happen for me. Well, we have her, there's two of us, like someone's going to be able to like, carry a child. And, and again, we knew that adoption was going to be a part of our story, but we were going to try this way first. So every time it didn't take, I just, it just accelerated like so crazy. And before I knew it, I was by the, by the end, I was like completely, physically dependent. I mean, I was, you know, I was doing the shaking. I was, yep. I, I was taking pills from wherever I was stealing yep. coworkers Adderall. I was, yep. I was just doing anything to kind of fill that void. Yep. And at that point I was, I mean, I knew I had a problem. And mm -hmm. so then we tried with her, didn't take either. So we, we decided, okay, like let's start our adoption journey. So in my mind, I was always like, okay, you know, it was always like, I'm going to stop when, so of course this is like the telltale. So it was like, when we were trying to get pregnant, I was like, I'm going to stop when I, I start trying to get pregnant. Well, that didn't happen. Okay. Then I'm going to stop when I get pregnant. Okay. That didn't happen. I'm going to stop when we're matched with a birth mother in this adoption period. Okay. We got matched, but now we're in this crazy stressful situation of adoption. So it just kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And then I said, I'm going to stop drinking when we get this baby, because once we get this baby, everything will be fine. I can get my life together. We're going to be okay. And we got the baby. And by the time we got this beautiful, sweet baby boy that we had prayed and looked for, I was so sick and I was so, so sick and so dependent. And so, yeah, it's so hard to talk about because, you know, we got everything we wanted and I was a mess. And so, yeah, we, we had him probably okay so let's let's pause whoa yeah. let's yeah. <laughs> let's like let's just go to that moment because i know you had a moment mm -hmm. right you're talking about dependency you're on drugs Mo primarily alcohol because that was the okay. easiest to get got it um, okay because I, I you know when we're at that state i know for me like mm -hmm. the problem like i was in denial yeah 
Yeah. Right. Like I, I was like, I don't have a problem. But really <laughs> everybody around me is like, Lane, you have a problem. Yeah. And I, I'm just like being in that moment as a mother, having this new baby thinking, I, I can't even put my he- head around where you were at. That must've been, uh, give us one word. What was that for you? It was surreal because it yeah. just, it, this was my dream. This was everything I ever wanted. And yeah. this beautiful birth mother chose us mm. to, to entrust the, this baby's life with us. And what am I doing? You know, like yeah. she chose us because she thinks that we're those people and yeah. just complete disappointment in myself and feeling so shameful because that's not who I wanted to be. That's not the mother I wanted to be. That's not the home I wanted to provide this baby with. That's not how I wanted her to look at me and lost. I was completely and utterly lost. We knew I had a problem, but I really had no idea how bad it was. Do I go to a meeting? Do I go to church? Do I need treatment? Like, what do we do? How bad is this? And how do I make it right? You know, because this is not the mom I want to be. What'd you do? So it kind of came to a head. We went to a family vacation in Hawaii. Oh God. Um, Yeah, I know. Yep. You know where this is going. So (laughs) Brittany's family, my wife's family, who is amazing. They're such great, beautiful people. And I went into that vacation, not drinking, right? I was, I had tried multiple times to stop as we do. (laughs) Bit my coffee out when she said that. (laughs) Not coffee. My dose. You know, exactly. So yeah, we did that and I was going in there not drinking and it was going to be a healthy vacation and we were going to do that. And, you know, they offered you a Mai Tai on the, on the flight over. So I have this five month old baby, Brixton's five months at the time. And I had tried to stop and tried to stop and tried to stop and just wasn't happening, but I kept trying and I kept looking for, for avenues. I went to an AA meeting. I went to a therapist. I went, you know, I was just, I was searching and, but here I was, I was going to be sober in Hawaii. So we get there it all went crazy because I was like, I'm in Hawaii, I'm on vacation. I deserve to like, I'm a mom. Like let's, there's family here to watch my kid. I'm totally responsible. Let's go. You know? So I proceeded to the one night, you know, there was alcohol there. I wasn't like, they, it wasn't the type of thing that it is now where they're, you know, do you, are you okay with alcohol in the house? Or are you not? I didn't know. And I didn't want anyone to adjust their life over me. I wasn't to that point yet. I was like, of course it, there needs to be alcohol here. We're on vacation. And anyway, I, we were supposed to go scuba diving the next morning. And I proceeded to stay up and drink like 24 beers. You know, we're in this Airbnb, this beautiful place right on the beach. Everyone's in bed. And I'm like, you guys are so boring. Like, what are we doing? We're on vacation. Like, what's happening? So I just got wasted. And and they woke up and, of course, you know, it was kind of like, oh, my gosh. Like, what did you do? Why did you? What were you doing? Are you ready to go? I'm like, am I ready to go? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> like, we're in Hawaii. Why do we need to do all these activities. I want to like lay on the beach and hang out and just be hung over and start drinking again. Like now I would die to go scuba diving and spend that time. But at the time I was just, again, you feel, you feel isolated. I felt like so misunderstood. Nobody got me. They didn't know my lifestyle. They didn't know how I relaxed and, and it couldn't have been more further from the truth. So they went on their way and went scuba diving and I walked to the village and got wasted with the locals and proceeded to get a ride home, which now I'm like, oh my gosh, from a local, a random man that was buying me shots the Mm -hmm, whole time. He mm -hmm. pulled up and dropped me off at the Airbnb Mm -hmm. to my wife's family's surprise. Like, Mm -hmm. and my five month old baby's in there. And they're just, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, I was like, what's up? Like everyone's, you know, he's fine. Everyone's taking care of him. We're having fun. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I didn't get it. And I felt it was awful. It was an awful trip, but I ruined that trip. It was a beautiful trip, but I ruined that trip. And 
that was my turning point. <laughs> yeah. When we got, when we got home, my wife and I looked into, we, we did it together. I wanted the help. I knew I was sick. I didn't want to be this person. So I was desperate for the help. I just didn't know where to get it or how to get it. And, you know, we looked at places that took my insurance and ironically, I, she's a nurse, a charge nurse at a hospital in Newport beach. And they had a great inpatient program. And <laughs> I checked into the hospital where my wife worked. So and it was terrifying because I'd never been away from my baby for more than an hour. I, you know, jobs, I'm going to lose my job. You know, at that time, all those things are so important to you. And really now when I'm coaching people, I'm like, you, you're not going to have any of that to worry about if you don't go get help. You're not going to have a family. You're not going to have a baby. You're not going to have any of these things. And, and thank God I did, you know, and, and we did it together. She did it with me and she stood by me. She may not have, if I had not wanted treatment, but I wanted it so badly and it was terrifying, but we did it together. And I, I was in there, you know, I was inpatient. I detoxed for three days. I did intensive inpatient for 30 and then outpatient for another 30. And it just completely changed my life and made me the mom that I wanted to be. I I just, you know, we have those moments. It's like, Oh, (laughs) this, this is, (laughs) A, it's not going well, right? Like I'm just thinking about you getting that that dropped off, yeah, right? uh, with the stranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? like how many times did I do that? How I sure? How many times did I drive drunk? Oh, uh, I no, could maybe. not even believe it. I already had a DUI and I was still driving yeah. as we were trying to. I never drove my kids in the car, but our adoption wasn't finalized. And I was driving back and forth from work where I was also drinking. I mean, if I already gotten picked up, I would have gone to jail and we may not have finalized that adoption. I mean, what was I doing? Yeah. I was sick, but yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it right there. You were sick, right? Yeah. This is like a mental illness. It like sits between Mm -hmm. the ears and it tells us that we're okay. And, you know, now like you are living sober. Mm -hmm. So thank God. <laughs> right, right. Right. Thank God in sobriety, you know, there are these moments I find quite often when we are back at that wall mm-hmm. of like, what is my life doing? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? So I want to get a little bit current with you. Sure. You know, over these past, you know, four and a half, almost five years, what, what is like, what are those moments? What are those moments where you, you're like, am I doing the right thing here? Mm-hmm. You know, like, are you able to, how are you able to sustain yourself? That's what I want to know. That's what our listeners want to know, because yeah. this is not, this is not a cakewalk every day, especially with little <laughs> ones sli- sure. not sleeping at night. <laughs> so what, what are you doing to sustain yourself? I agree. I, you know, I really, I mean, it's cliche, but living in gratitude, I wake up every single morning, just so grateful. I don't have to feel like that. So grateful that I have these babies. I just being connected to the program, which has been so hard in this pandemic, the service work for me has been so huge and sharing my story. I just recently, after almost five years of sobriety, just in this past six months, really started sharing my story. And that has changed my whole recovery. And I'm so grateful not to plug clubhouse, but I mean, clubhouse brought me into that space and allowed me to kind of start sharing and start feeling comfortable and exposed me to all kinds of comfortable situations. You know, I, I, I fooled myself into thinking that my story wouldn't help anybody. And through the hat project that I started also 
I started that because I was finding it hard to, I didn't have time to sponsor people, but I still wanted to help. And that allowed me to put myself out there as a helper and people gravitated towards that. And I naturally and organically got to tell my story and connect with the mom friends that I had at school and, and the people at church and the people at the gym. And that has kept me so sane and so grateful. So service for sure. And gratitude. And, you know, we've been through some, some stressful times, you know, with our second son's adoption, it was like not an easy ride. And I mean, that is a time that you could, I've said to my wife a couple of times, like, wow, this is, you know, when you recognize like, this is a time I would surely have dove deep into that bottle because I just didn't want to deal with all the static inside. And I'm so grateful. I got to experience it sober because I got to be there for her too. And, you know, I mean, just all these beautiful things that happen, the ability to be there for people, there's just so many good things that I think about when I get backed up against that wall that I know I wouldn't be experiencing drinking. And I know that I would be so preoccupied. And so I also simply think about the the times when I'm just holding my boys and like, in my mind, I was fully present before with them, even when I was drinking, but like, I was still thinking about how I was going to feel better. Was I going to be sick? Was I going to be, what did I need to do? How was I going to get to the, the, the corner store when they're sleeping, how, how do I do? I've got to stack Mm -hmm. up enough for tomorrow Mm -hmm. so that I don't feel this way, you know, Oh gosh, do I need to take my son in the stroller to the sketchy part? You know, it's just like all this this stuff, you know, like, and I don't have to worry about that anymore. It's so freeing. You you said a couple of things that I want to kind of back up on because there's this idea of like, we fool ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? Like being able to handle it all. Yes. Right. And <laughs> I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. And then I snap. Yeah. Right. So there's a, you know, you, you, you talked about being static inside. Yes. Right. So you have a gratitude practice. You, you have your helpful hats project. Mm-hmm. What else are you doing to stop yourself from having those static moments and letting that shame spiral, right? Like we, it, right. It, it, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like the mm-hmm. constant shame spiral. I'm not doing enough. I got to yes. do this for my kids. Yes. I got yes. my wife, right? Like it's this. It's, yeah. Yeah. So what, what are some practical things that you are doing daily that other mamas can use right now? Sure. I, I've, um, just being real. I mean, real with my kids, real with my wife, real with myself. Like where, what am I feeling today? Why am I feeling this way? I've I've learned to ask her for what I need instead of assuming she knows, gosh, I'm a stay at home mom. And I run this hat project on the side. My primary job is to be a mommy and she works very hard. She's on the front lines of this pandemic as a nurse practitioner. So, you know, I try to keep her sane in it, you know, I get the balance of keeping yourself sane and keeping your partner who's doing extremely hard and stressful work sane and raising these babies. Yeah. It gets staticky for sure, but just keeping it real and real with my kids too. Like, you know what, buddy, I'm sorry. I just like raised my voice. I mommy's a little bit, I'm a little bit tired and that's okay. Not putting that on them, but just being real with them. And like, let's go for a walk. We could both use a walk. And gosh, my main coping tool is, is exercise, which has been kind of taken away, but trying to figure out how to do that. Like maybe like, I don't know, me and the boys, we have a dance party or we just go for a really long walk or we hike up a mountain. I find moving my body, whether it's yoga or meditation or, you know, moving my 
brain just taking that time for me, but most of the time they are included, but still absorbing that time for me and keeping that separate from our energy together as a unit is important. And I find that very helpful. So moving, moving, keeping it real and, and setting that time aside in the morning. Also, I know you're big on the meditation and, Mm -hmm. and I need to be so much better at that, but I have this little, that little silly app calm and that like as a mom helps me so much because I could just have 10 minutes while they're napping or whatever, 20 minutes. And I plug that in and I listen to a guided meditation or just some music and that like declutters me, it destatitizes me. It, I can be a better mom after that. And that helps a lot. So beautiful. I love just the idea of being real. That's one of the things that I, I do with my son is I'm just, I Mm -hmm. just say, you know what, that was, I, I just raised my voice and it wasn't okay. It took me, Shana, to hear you early in your recovery, talk about that with your kids is amazing. Cause it took me, I mean, he's 11 now. (laughs) I didn't start doing that until he was like eight, nine years old. Right. Because I had like, I had to be perfect. And then if I wasn't being perfect, I couldn't talk about it. Totally. Yep. So just that idea of giving myself permission, you've given yourself permission to just say, I messed up. Mommy messed up. Yeah. Mommy messed up. I just, oh, that's so powerful. So I I think being authentic, you know, being in in recovery teaches you to be authentic and just keep it real. And he's seen me do that. He's seen both of us do that and telling our stories. And we're real. We're we're like that also with adoption. Like we talk about it freely. We speak about his birth mother. He, you know, he knows that he's our baby, but he was, he was grown in another mommy's tummy and that's cool to him. You know, we never oh, want cool. that. We, we never wanted that day to come where like he learned he was adopted. Oh, he yeah. knows where he learned, he knows where he came from and he knows how he's loved. And so it's been a, a ride with that too, because we've always kept it very real with, with, with them for that reason too, because Do you, I'm going to just, one of the th- magical things of motherhood that I've done and I've shared with other mothers yes. is writing them love letters. Mm-hmm. Have you started that? I have not. Okay. I want to invite you to get a box. Okay. And I did this with my son early on and we created a box and we decorated it. We got the colors and the decoupage and you know, the whole thing. And in the box, we put their art or his art, you know, where I put my son's art, but then I also write little love letters or little love notes. Mm -hmm. And so it, at first I would just put the love note next to him. Like when he would wake up and it would just be a picture of me and him, like stick, honestly, stick figures, holding hands. Right. Uh-huh. But over the years, you know, I've written long extended love letters mm-hmm. about our adventures. So right? cool. And he's, I probably, there's probably, well, I've 20 of them in there now. I've just these really intense love letters and it, they're hidden. It's hidden away, but I keep adding to it. So one day, you know, he'll be able to have this box of really juicy letters. And I, I read one that I wrote like, you know, seven years ago, just, and I was like, what the heck was that? (laughs) But it's a really fun experience because I get to see his little thing, you know, his little, yeah. So just a fun exercise that we can do in recovery for our kids. And it's kind of a secret. It's kind of a, like a little gift that I'm giving to myself and to him. Mm -hmm. 
and then he gets to participate when he wants to has he participated yet has he he has his his are not you know his is not very detailed which is fine uh he does a lot of drawings he's really into drawing uh so i'll just slip those in yeah, but I love a, it. it was a really fun project that we have worked on over the past, you know, 10, 11 years. So beautiful. I love that could it. be I'm really fun. It. Yeah. It could be really it. fun. Do you, do you have a writing practice? I do not. Well, I mean, as far as, you know, I make my, my gratuity, I do my lists. I try to do that every morning, but I, I, I should I should have a better writing practice. It's not a should Let, let's like take yeah. that out. Let's like, no, no mom should be shooting herself. <laughs> it's just, that. It That's is what it one. is. Well, right? well I, let's say I think, I think about it every day and I say, I guess I write it in my mind, but no, I do not currently have. A okay. Practice. That's, you know, it's okay. Right. It's just something that perhaps maybe you'll do uh, tomorrow. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I share with my moms is really creating that writing practice because you get to see your personal growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You you really get to chart it. Yep. And I've had people that are not sober, normally, normie people look at my, like I have volumes and my kid makes fun of me about this volumes of books about my life but it's so rich with experience and I can go back to, you know, nine 11 mm, and I can yeah. read about nine 11 and what I was doing. Yeah. And I can see like some of the things that I was doing then I could still be doing now, but a little bit different. Right. Yeah. So it's been interesting to just to see the growth or to see the, like where I haven't grown. <laughs> no, totally. I, I think that's beautiful. I, I think that's great because, and just reaffirming your values too. I yeah. find that when I do write and I do look back, I'm such a weirdo with anything creative too, that like I'll write it and then I'll throw it away. It's, it's a problem. It's, uh-huh. I'm, it's ongoing, whether it's art or music or uh-huh. writing, I, I have a, so it's something absolutely to work into my plan because I yeah. think it would help me a lot and just let the not perfect things stay and to be able to look back and see, like you said, where you've gone, what stays the same, what you'd yeah. like to change. So no, I see a great benefit in that. So you've inspired me. Yes. What else you got? So we're coming up on our, our closing time, but I want to make sure let's give our ladies, the moms, the powerhouses of the world. Let's, let's share one crazy thing you do in sobriety. One crazy thing, crazy, like really like just out there as far as like activity. Yeah. Like get out, go out, like go outside your lines, go outside my lines. What do you do? Like what's super fun in your life? Super fun in my life. It's funny because the things that are super fun now are like very calm and like relaxing, (laughs) like super fun. You know, I used to be doing really crazy things and now what's super fun and crazy is like, climbing a mountain with my son. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that is it. And that yeah. brings me great peace <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and extreme joy. And I have done a lot of crazy things in my life and I don't need to do those anymore. So for me, it's really just being still and being mm-hmm. calm and being mm-hmm. present. And I love that. And mm-hmm. uh, 
I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that is, I, we love hiking. And I, yeah, I just find yeah. that that time, that time in nature, you know, and going to the, going to the ocean, nature always brought me home and nature always yeah. made me feel like there's a higher power or something bigger. I felt so small and I love that, but comforted. Mm-hmm. And when I can share that with my, with my kids and hold them and look at them and know that they're just these beautiful little independent souls, it, that, it just makes me feel great. And I do that often now. And it's something so that good. I don't know if I would have taken that much time to appreciate. I would have appreciated mm-hmm. it, but not in the way that I do now. So, mm. so good. And how do you keep your relationship spicy? Spicy. <laughs> well, you know, again, keeping it real, telling them what you want. <laughs> That's something, right? When we get sober, right? Our relationships change. Uh, totally. Totally. Right? Change. Yeah. For me, my husband never saw me drink, so he had no idea and he's only known me sober. So I've had to kind of like reinvent the relationship, so to speak. Otherwise I'm like, dude, I'm tired of you. Yeah, Yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. I think for us, we had so many crazy times that like, it just feels so good to have stability and she's happy to see me not be that person or have to play that role or identify as the party starter and the backstage girl and the gear getter, you know, like I think she's so happy to just see me comfortable in my own skin. So we're just very comfortable in that role. We love to like go to baseball games and like, just do all, all these things that would have taken a totally different, you know, direction had we not been this way. She, she also has not drank with, you know, since I've been sober. So yeah, I mean, she never really had a problem, but I mean, she made that decision for us and for her. And that, that, that's been a powerful thing for me because I, I didn't ask her to do that. I didn't expect her to do that. And she did that. And I'm so grateful. So I'm very blessed with a supportive partner. Yeah. That's so amazing. Shannon, I love your story. I'm so grateful to know you and share this journey. This is a journey of women, of mothers staying sober, Yep. whatever that pathway is. It's just beautiful. Like not drinking. It's just an incredible way of living. Thank you for being a mother in recovery. Where are people going to follow your life? Yeah. So you can follow my life on Instagram. We've got a good Instagram happening. Helpful hats project there. And I mean, that's primarily it right now. Uh, Everything's kind of funneled through that. I also have a personal Instagram, which you're more than, more than welcome to follow. It's, it's, that's public and find more about the boys there. It's kind of a, it's one of those weird things. Do we expose them or do we not through this project kind of thing? So, but yeah, we love to tell their story too, uh, without exposing them too much, but we think it's important to connect with adoptive parents as well, a same-sex parent, Mm -hmm. any parents, Mm -hmm. but we tell our story on a couple of number of, you know, different levels as far as recovery and sober, being sober moms and LGBTQ plus moms and adoption. So we love to help people. And if anybody has any questions about anything, um, we are wide open. So right there, that is the power right there. LGBTQ. Hey, I support you guys. 100%. I think there's, I I think there's a something hidden in there for you, Shana. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I think there's something there. There's something there. There's something there. I'm just dig deeper. (laughs) Dig deeper. Thank you for being on the show. Check her out over on Helpful Hats over on Instagram. Mama, thank you for listening to another episode of Recover Like a Mother. May you find something light, something bright, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best you can be. Thanks for hanging out. Until next time.
take good care. And that's a wrap. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out the members area. I have so much information getting dumped in there weekly and weekly meditations. I also want to just say thank you for supporting the show, really, so other mothers can find it. That's what the membership is all about. It just makes it a lot easier for me to get the show out there for other mothers in recovery. So thank you again for supporting the show and as always for being a mother in recovery. I'll see you next time.